the spokesperson for it was Margaret Hamilton, who was the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And uh, why she was the spokesperson for, you know, Maxwell House Coffee to retailers, I'm really not sure. But um, the the headline for it that I, that I came up with was, don't get caught with your stocks down. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. Real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Brandon here. Bob here. What's happening? How's it going? Bob, what's going on in your life? What uh, What is exciting and new? Have you been golfing? Have you been coaching? What are you, what are you doing? What's We've been, uh, well, we got to celebrate a birthday. That's right. Yes. Bob turned what? You're 30. I turned another day. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on that. What'd you do? What? What'd you do for your birthday? Oh, well, as expected, we uh, we went with the family to Top Golf, and then we ate massive amounts of protein at a Brazilian steakhouse. Ooh. Isn't that what you're supposed to do on your birthday? Absolutely. Yes, you're supposed to be have the meat sweats. You know, after a Brazilian sweat steakhouse, as um, as Dan Aykroyd in his Cohen-headed impersonation would say, uh, consuming mass quantities. That's, yes. that's what we did there. So <laughs> nice. yeah, we 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 ate ourselves till the meat sweats came, and then we knew it was time <laughs> to stop. But it's been gorgeous fall weather here in Chicago. Yes. Um, we're we're entering uh, basketball season. We're ramping up for that. So it's been great. And and you and I had a really nice trip to Boston here yes. recently with, with, uh, a client of ours. And that was just a really great couple of days with some amazing people. Wasn't it? Agreed. Yeah. So we interviewed six uh, financial experts for a company that publishes financial newsletters and it was really, really fun. Um, and this kind of relates to our guest today as well is, you know, when you think of people in specific niches and spaces, you, it's easy to kind of form perceptions about them, however they're formed, whether it's media or whatever. And so, you know, going into this and 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 thinking, okay, I'm going to interview people about, you know, investments and crypto and, and all this and talk about a, just a phenomenal host of different personalities. Oh. I mean, they're all just phenomenal and quirky and fun and exciting colorful yeah. colorful people they're, you know I, you know now don't i'm not gonna offend any financial people but now they're the person my perception was okay these guys sit around all day in short sleeve white shirts you know and they're over spreadsheets and they're licking the pencil tip as yeah, they're they writing got three four numbers. screens open with the oh, Dow jones black coffee going you yeah. know and they're just and angry right yeah and just, they're not like oh money ah, and they're you know kind of like ebenezer scrooge and i'm telling you these were some of the most fun people to get to know and to interview. And we had some great laughs and great connection. And, and the other thing too, um, as we, as we go into our guests today soon uh, is most of them didn't start out deciding, okay, I'm going to go to college or training for <laughs> financial stuff. Not uh, at all. Of, oh, it was, it was amazing. One of the guys, probably one of my favorite interviews was 
uh, a musician. He what was what was kind of music was guitar player, guitar player. I think it was classical yeah. guitar or something like classical, that. Classical guitar, classical guitar. All through college, and then just kind of made this shift into financial. And in his thirties, in his thirties, yeah. <laughs> We have hope for us late bloomers, right? He didn't know what he wanted to do. And, Another and one just, was a high he wanted to be a, a high school football coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> None of these guys went to the you know, most prestigious financial schools from what I they, they maybe later oh. on just to add to their knowledge, but they had a perspective that they went in with and 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 now they're absolutely just leaders in their field. Yeah, you absolutely yeah. cannot read a book by its cover. Um yeah. our guest today is is a world-class copywriter. I mean, um when we say that, like this is a this is a guy who worked for David Ogilvy, the legendary copywriter and agency owner. Uh, he worked for Boardroom. Uh, he works for companies like Procter and Gamble. Um, but when you see him, when you hear him, you're not going to get the vibe that this is a world class copywriter. Like you probably couldn't pick David out of a lineup. Yeah. Um, I remember, Brandon, I was at a conference and I was sitting about four seats away from this guy who looked homeless. I said, <laughs> who, who let this homeless guy into this marketing conference? And the guy next to me goes, that's that's Gary Helbert. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Gary Helbert, <laughs> a world class copywriter. I'm like, oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um so never, never read a book by its cover, but it's so interesting. Um, you'll get to hear kind of David's process. Very, it, It's very systematic, but yet there's a creativity to it. And I think that's what's interesting is when you peel back the layers of some of these guys. And uh, David's just a wonderful guest, uh, was really generous to spend the time with us today. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, tells a few great stories, but just some really great wisdom from somebody who's been a copywriter for a long time. I think people are going to uh, really resonate with it. So uh, please enjoy this conversation with uh, David Deutsch. Welcome, David. So excited to have you on the show today. Yo, it's great to be here. So many, so many questions for you. So excited <laughs> about hearing about your journey. So just tell us right now, what's going on in your world? Tell us what's happening right now in the world of David. What are you excited about? What projects do you have going on that you can share with us? Oh, uh, you know, I, I get excited working on a lot of this. What I love about being a, a copywriter and a creative strategist is that I get to work about a lot of different things. Mm. So I'm, you know, I'm doing work on everything from, you know, supplements to um, I'm working with a company that makes it's automating machine tooling, you know, used to be a guy doing machine tooling, right? Yeah. Work, and that was a very labor intensive job. They're automating that whole process. Um, I work with Procter and Gamble, so I get to do diapers and, and laundry <laughs> detergent and, you know, um, dish soap of all, you know, things like that. Um, and I help a lot of people with writing which with I always enjoy. So part of my time is spent writing. Part of my time is spent coaching people or consulting with people. And that I really love to do because I, I, I love to help people see how, how easy writing can be. You know, if you just kind of connect with the inner persuader in yourself and don't try to, you know, write like people think of writing and they get all 
eighth grade book report. About it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So, so David, David is a direct response copywriter. And we've talked about this on the show. It's, you know, you're writing marketing copy to generate a response. It's a measurable response. So when you mentioned PH, uh, P&G, and I saw that on your, on your uh, research doc, I'm like, huh, Procter Gamble is doing direct response. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's interesting. Yeah, well, Procter & Gamble, like most companies, is realizing that uh, more and more that um, you can go directly to the consumer and that some things can be sold by subscription. Um, wow. And uh, so, you know, they, I mean, they've been innovating for hundreds of years, right? So, right. Yeah. you know, they're, uh, they're, they're innovating with that too, especially with, you know, products that are a little more specialized and upscale. Okay. You know, I, I would say so, you know, but I, you know, eventually you'll just probably be able to buy Tide and say, okay, I want my delivery of Tide every week. So is the shift between, you know, what we commonly know is, is brand advertising and, and in the store and commercials and television based to, or they're going direct to consumer subscription model. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? I, you know, I don't know that they're going to it. I, they're exploring all sorts of different ways to, you know, get products to people. Um, I think people always want to go into stores and, and buy products. Okay. Um, and, uh, but on the other hand, you know, it's increasingly a world where you want products, you know, delivered to your door. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's by the supermarket or by the company or, you know, through whatever means. Yeah. Well, it's, I, yeah. it's fascinating because most of your Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, you, you don't hear them talk about direct response advertising, right? I mean, most of them, the advertising they do is what we consider brand advertising. They, they spray and pray to the masses. So it just it just really jumped out, David. Like that, P and G is like embracing the concept of direct response, direct to consumer marketing. It it, it maybe is a it is a um, the canary in the coal mine a little bit that even big brands are realizing that the way to to really have effective trackable marketing and advertising is direct response. So that, I think it's a little bit encouraging for those of us that are in that business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know. Um... You know, big brands, we, we make fun of big brands sometimes, right? And big companies. And well, sure, brands. we like to pick they're, on them. They're the big they're guys. We on. like to right. pick on them. They're the right, big right. guys. But, you know, <laughs> um, they know they didn't get where they are not knowing what they're doing, right? So yeah. you right. see how they're exploring the metaverse. They're exploring, you know, direct to consumer. They're exploring all sorts of things. Oh, and I, I don't want to get into the metaverse. We just got off a call about oh the my metaverse. Gosh. Brandon and I are our brains are scrambled eggs at this point. Yeah. Talking oh, about that'll metaverse. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we we have a mutual friend who who just bought property within the metaverse, mm -hmm. and you know I'm kind of banging my head against the wall. Like, how did who owns the property? How do I get there? And why would I want to go? And so that's a whole nother podcast. But uh, you know, we're talking to some Gen Xers here. Yeah, uh, David, well, can they, you take us back yeah. to? The, your origins. How did you get into this world of direct response? I know that you took a, a stab at fiction writing at one point, and music is a part of your your journey. Can you can you take us back to a little bit about the evolution of David? Yeah, you know, I uh, 
I really kind of stumbled into advertising. Um, I was working at Ogilvy and Mather in kind of an administrative function. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, this is an ad agency. That seems interesting. Maybe I could write copy or something like that. So I found out, I guess, that I could and started writing copy and found out that I, I guess I had a knack for it and huh. uh, was in the advertising world for a while, right? At Ogilvy and then other, you know, other agencies around the, uh, around the country. And um, then I, I kind of discovered direct response. You know, I discovered Jay Abraham and got really turned on to the idea that you could sell things directly through advertising, through, um, you know, through copywriting, through, you know, selling to people directly. And, well, so it's and, fascinating though, David, you, you worked for like, I don't want to skim over that. You worked for Ogilvy and Mather, like the agency of agencies. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm, when you started was, was David Ogilvy still there presiding over the agency? He was there occasionally, you know, okay. he was in uh, his chateau in, uh, in France part of the time, but occasionally he wandered the halls and you'd see him in the elevator and, you know. Okay. I mean, I mean, obviously now, obviously generations later, decades later, like Ogilvy is kind of a pillar for a lot of direct response marketers. Did you mm -hmm. kind of know that at the time? Like, was he that a big of a deal? And was it, was it, was it impressive at the time to kind of work in his, in his shop, so to speak? Did that, did that resonate with you at all? Yeah, very much. You know, I, I don't know if he was as legendary as he is today, um, but it, it was very much like working kind of in a teaching hospital. You know, you, you felt hmm. like you were in a place where, you know, knowledge was being passed on and there was a tradition of knowledge and a tradition of teaching. Um, and you mm -hmm. learned, you know, you learned by doing. So that was that was great. And of course, Ogilvy had a love of direct response, which maybe helped imbue that in me. Now, was it similar to like Mad Men? Like what Brandon <laughs> and I really love that. Like, yes. were you like Dom Draper? Did you have the big office <laughs> yeah. with the cigarettes and the pretty I like to drink <laughs> during my workday too, David. And I yeah, like yeah, the old fashions. Thank you, Don Draper. Lunch. Yeah, you know, I kind of missed that era. Oh, that era was you were a little bit after sorry. that. I was a little <laughs> bit after that, you know. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was that same, it was that same world that was without the drama and the exaggeratedness of it. You know, it it sure. was it was that kind of you know, you had your creative people and you had your account people and, you know, you had some of the dynamics that you see in Mad Men, just without all the the drama and without all the three martini lunches. And, you know. <laughs> oh, so in terms of born in the wrong era, go ahead. You Bob. were you were born in the wrong era. I certainly, so, certainly was. So, you know, for a lot of us kind of that especially in the entrepreneurial committee, a lot of us haven't started in kind of that corporate environment. So what was it like working at a big advertising agency? Like you said, you were in an administrative role. Um, did they kind of throw you small projects? Did you work on ads themselves? Did you work on teams? What did it look like at, back in the day? Yeah. Well, you know, when I, I, when I was kind of transitioning out of the administrative role, they, 
they gave me some projects to do and I did well enough on them that eventually I was hired by one of the departments. Oh, right. One of the creative departments within the agency. Um, and fortunately it was, a, it was a department that did a lot of different stuff, which was kind of interesting. They did ads, they did a lot of, you know, audio visual and film work. They, we did a guidebook to Bermuda, you know, um, it, it just all sorts of stuff. So it was, it really gave me a wide range of experience that I probably wouldn't have had just doing TV commercials or something like that, yeah. you know? Do you so remember I, the first ad that you saw in publication? I, I, I'll, I'll tell you about one ad that um, I did that I, it might've been the first day. They, they asked me to do a trade ad for Maxwell House Coffee, which <sighs> they, they wanted to get grocers to put, um, more Maxwell House coffee on the shelves, right? Okay. Um, and uh, the spokesperson for it was Margaret Hamilton, who was the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And uh, why she was the spokesperson for, you know, Maxwell House <laughs> coffee to retailers, I'm really not sure. But um, the the headline for it, that I that I came up with was don't get caught with your stocks down. <laughs> so I remember that was a beautiful double truck ad, you know, picture of her and all the trade magazines. So interesting. Oh, that was that's so neat. Yeah, that was uh, fun to do. You uh, you mentioned that you discovered you had a knack for it. How did you discover yeah. that? When when did when was it like? Here, here's why I'm asking because most co direct response copywriters, I mean, there's from what I understand, there's no college courses on direct response copyright. And what I hear is a lot of people, they they start, they they join an agency and they're around the environment, it's creative and it's charged and, and it's and it's you know results driven. Um and 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 people kind of find themselves and 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 like yourself, sounds like they're they say, Hey, I'm gonna what? I'm gonna give this a shot and end up being fantastic and, and engaged with this medium. Tell us how you dis decided or discovered you had this knack. What, what, what was it? What was a campaign you wrote? What was that? I don't know. It was probably the Port Rums from Puerto Rico t-shirt contest where, Ooh. Um, Ooh. yeah, that's not as exciting as it sounds. It wasn't like a wet t-shirt contest or anything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't get your hopes up. Damn it. But, All right. You know, it was a, it was a contest within Ogilvy to come up with design a t-shirt for rums of Puerto Rico, which was a big client of theirs. And um, the idea was to get people to use Puerto Rican rum in mixed drinks, right? To get them to use it as a mixer. Cause I mm. guess people tend to use cheap rum when they're, okay. when they're mixing drinks. And the t-shirt that I came up with that, 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 that won the contest was the front of the t-shirt said, let's make it. And then the back of the t-shirt said with rums from Puerto Rico. <laughs> so that's just Simple. enough of a little, you know, double entendre to be yeah. sexy yeah, yeah, yeah. and cute and get the message across. So okay. I think that made me feel like, yeah, maybe I could do this. You know? Was it, so you're, you're in this environment and you're kind of, you said you're more administrative and you're, you're probably privy to all the conversations around different campaigns and clients and promotions was it just kind of like something in your intuition said, you know what, I'm going to take a stab at that one. You know, maybe you're a rum drinker. I don't know. Was it something about that specific campaign? Were you invited to? 
Well, it was open to everyone in the okay. agency for that okay. particular, you know, that T-shirt thing. Um, I don't really know what made me want. I figured like as long as I'm here, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, I should see if I could do this. I've, I was an English, I was half an English major, half a music major, but you know, I was an English major. I know how to write. Mm-hmm. I, I should be able to do this, you know. Um, and uh, you know, they were very nurturing. Like they liked it when people, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to go over to the creative side. People wanted to try different things. It was a very, they were very in, into developing talent internally like that. There's Love something that. very interesting, David. Uh, Brandon and I spent uh, a couple of days with Stansbury, um, which I know, have you done work with Stansbury? You've done work with Agora, correct? I've done work with Agora and I've done, I did a little work with Stansbury. Okay. So it was interesting as we kind of dug into the backgrounds of of some of the experts there, a lot of them came from artistic backgrounds. So it was interesting to see in your bio that you were into music and it was, Mm -hmm. it it just kind of struck Brandon and I sitting there, like a lot of the people that we're talking to are very right brain creative folks. Mm. Um, And so that just kind of jumped out at me. Like did, did music, form some sort of foundation for you to like set this up i mean was it even on your radar like this i'd love to hear a little bit about how that affected you i don't think it was on my radar um i would say that that connection has always fascinated me between music and writing and creativity um one of the things for instance i think um I mean, music is a way of organizing notes, right? And in a harmonious way. Writing is a way of organizing notes in a harmonious way. Music has patterns. Uh, Writing has patterns. So I think people that do music, a lot of times they can see patterns, they can reproduce patterns, they can hear when things are dissonant because a lot of writing is having an ear for writing. Writing is, I mean, even though it's on the page, writing is kind of most people read writing in their head a lot of writing now is spoken in scripts and and videos anyway right so there's an element of musicality to it there's an element of the right sounds and how sounds affect people mm-hmm. um but when you know. in effect probably that that whole idea of resonating right you know mm-hmm. it, a musical piece resonates with you. You can kind of feel it. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I think that same talent, what I'm hearing, and I guess what I've experienced myself is that when you read a good piece, you're emotionally connected with it. You resonate with it. And that's probably what differentiates a good copywriter from a so-so copywriter is that ability to connect emotionally. And I, you know, I just see like the whole artistic musical side makes so much sense to me. I just never really put two and two together before. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a great point. That's probably another element of you're, you're dealing with um vibrating with people's emotions in a way you're getting yeah. in sync with people's emotions you're you're trying to evoke emotions you know maybe another part of it is people who do music are are used to they have the patience to create something they have the patience to mm-hmm. like practice and iterate and play this thing 20 times 
and 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 sculpt maybe if they're writing music they're 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 uh reworking it and editing it and i i think the best writers kind of have that iterative process it's like okay that's my first draft but that's not good enough let me create it let me fine you know fine tune it Hello, founders. So good to have you on the show today. Uh, we're just really enjoying our conversation with David Deutsch. Uh, David, as we said, is a world-class copywriter. He has worked on some very famous brands, some very famous campaigns, and is offering us the opportunity to get into his world. Uh, head over to davidldeutsch.com. That's David L. D-E-U-T-S-C-H dot com. Uh, whether you are looking to hire a copywriter or if you're a copywriter, uh, who, uh, who, maybe somebody wants to be a copywriter, um, you want to head over there and uh, David has resources for you and things that uh, I think you're going to find quite stimulating. So davidldeutsch.com. And now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. So that process, can you talk a little bit about what that's like for you, David? Um, I, I'm, it's, I don't know if it's, you know, locking yourself in a, in a room <laughs> for eight hours. You know, we, one of our clients who talked about when he goes out and he has to write copy, he has to go to a coffee place and separate himself from his family for a couple of days and lock himself down. Right. And, and push that out, you know, like a, like a kidney stone. Can you, <laughs> can you, can you talk about your process? What, what kind of groove, what, what does it look like for you in a practical way? Do you have to get off site? Is it taking a walk? Is it block time blocking? How, how do you engage that muse for yourself? Yeah, I think it's, um, and it's partly muse and it's partly also, I think, cause I, I don't want to over romanticize it. Um, it's also just sort of a concentration of effort. It's also kind of a, 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 a what do they call that in nuclear physics? Um, critical mass, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you hold a, a magnifying glass on a piece of paper. If you hold it for two seconds, it won't burn through if you're focusing from the sun. But if you hold it there for 20 seconds, it'll burn through. It's the same thing with writing, right? If you keep working a little two second burst, you'll never burn through that paper and get to the prospect if you hold it there for 20 seconds which in the case of writing may mean like blocking time for two hours or going away for two days right then you're you're creating that intensity of effort that i i that i think is very important but there has to be like there has to be some sort of like talk about the muse part, you know, because I, I think one of the fascinating things for me is listening to musicians talk about how songs come to them. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the, I was out doing this and it's, they're never sitting down to write a song, yeah. right? They're like, I was in a right. car and I saw this thing and I pulled over and like, I wrote as fast as I could. Um, yeah. Is that Sometimes. something you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's true of musicians, but sometimes musicians do sit down and and write, right? Like hmm. you listen to Paul McCartney, John Lennon talk about songwriting. They're like, one time John Lennon said, you know, I, I say to Paul, I'm, I'm going to sit down and write my, write myself a new pool for the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you if you watch Get Back, you know, that wonderful documentary, yes. you yeah. see they're 
iterative process of, you know, get back kind of starts as, you know, you know, bamba, 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 whatever. It's this meandering thing. And he focuses and focuses and keeps working and keeps working. And then it becomes, you know, that wonderful song. That must have been for me. It was one of the most fascinating things that I've ever seen was that documentary, because really, you know, everyone really knows the Beatles and McCartney and Lennon iconic figures in yeah. in the world right but to see them come up with a spark and you're right it was a very it was collaborative but they also kept building and to me that was just one of the most fascinating things i've ever seen is like they really did put work into that it wasn't magical it was magical how it came together but just right. the idea of like they they put the effort in i i think that's that's it. you're kind of reflecting that. So it's, it's just real inspiring to kind of hear that. Like, yeah, sometimes you just got to sit down and do the work and it it looks effortless. <laughs> would yeah, you, would I, you agree with that? I think it's just, you know, people who are great copywriters are just more willing to put the work into it than <sighs> people mm. who aren't, you know what I mean? Cause it takes a lot of, I mean, a lot of copywriting is research. It's digging. It's, it's a lot of copywriting is not, not going with your first idea or your second idea. But knowing, no, there's got to be a better idea out there, right? There's got to be something that's, you know, it's got to be a way of doing this. Mm. And, you know, getting back to what you said about Muse, um, sometimes, right, it hits you out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Um, you're in the shower or you're doing whatever. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it comes from, I mean, I like to teach people how to do kind of a systematic approach also to creativity, right? How do you, what questions can you ask yourself that generate mm. the muse, the ideas, right? Like how could, like, what if I did the opposite? What if I added, what could I add to this? What could I take away from it? What could mm. I, you know, how could I put one thing inside the other? How could I divide it up? And, you know, would that get me to an idea? How I can I that. add celebrity to this? How can I add, you know, um, something that people are interested in? How could I, you know, you know, at Agora, it was always trying to add, how can we add Donald Trump to this? How can we add, <laughs> you know, um, how can we add something in current events, right? How can we relate this to China? Um, but that's, that's what people are interested in. And, and I think some people are good at creativity and just things pop into their head. But I think that's because they've internalized kind of a systematic way of, you know, how can I do this? What if I did this? What if this, what if that, right? Mm, love that. I, so they, our entire methodology for feed stories and, and getting really good content out of people on camera, it was based on a number of questions I used to use years ago when I would do copywriting myself as getting people on the phone and record the call and, and asking all of the different questions about the product or service and, and mm -hmm. then assembling that copy. And so I, I, I love the concept of, I, I, and I completely agree with you that questions can unlock creativity. Questions can unlock tremendous amounts of inspiration and what ifs and create a, you know, beautiful end product. Can you tell us a story about a campaign, a promotion that maybe you maybe you spent eighty or ninety percent of your effort in, and you had this thing in front of you. You had this sales package in front of you, and something maybe shifted for you. It said, "Well, what if we just try this? What if we just turn this dial a little more?" And 
something blew up, anything like that, where it was more instead of perhaps um, leaning on a method, your your own personal methodology that you created, that you maybe you took a chance and and you decided, hmm, what if this and and a great result or maybe even a not great result happened? Any story like that for us? Yeah, you know, it's it's a funny question. Um because a lot of times ideas are kind of what if this and it turns out to be a great idea. Okay. Right? Like like wh- what if we had an app that you could call people could, you know, call for rides on their phone and people could pick them up, right? Just ordinary people could come and pick them up, right? Or what if we made an energy drink that was like just, you know, like like way over the top on caffeine and tasted awful, right? And called it like <laughs> Red Bull. Like, what if we did that, right? So you can mix it with any alcohol you want. Yeah. You know, like including that great, rum. That great Jim Rutz headline, right? What if I came up with a headline? What if it just said, read this or die? Right. <laughs> what if I did that? Right. And he did. And it, you know. And it 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 it, it worked incredibly well, and Uber worked incredibly well, and you know Red Bull worked incredibly well. Um, so you know that's another way to kind of generate creativity is that that whole idea of well, what if, right? Um, and and I think that's a lot of what makes creative people really creative is they just sort of are willing to explore what if, right? Um, you know, there was one promotion that I worked on that I had gone really pretty far on and kept feeling, you know, it was a promotion for this uh, newsletter. And there were all these different, really incredible ways of, uh, I, I, I hesitate to say curing, but, you know, dealing with different diseases from cancer to arthritis to, you know, to all these pretty serious things. And it's like, how do you promote that? How do you, you know, tomorrow's medicine today. I had all these things like tomorrow's medicine today, or, you know, you know, you, you, you try to promise, but you know, you can't, it's hard to promise curing disease. It's hard to promise <laughs> that this is a newsletter full of incredible cures. How do you, and, and oftentimes illegal, and, right. and oftentimes illegal. <laughs> um, although a little less so on a newsletter um, than a supplement, because you're not saying, eat this and you know right. it'll be better um you're kind of saying this is what this guy writes about in his newsletter right mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of first amendment in that i'm not giving legal advice here <laughs> thank you yeah. you do have to be much more careful on uh supplement stuff than than this um and so i i thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and it again it's one of those things after thinking about it for a really long time all of a sudden it just came to me that a lot of these cures were almost kind of tricking disease, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like cancer, for instance, um, is very sugar. It needs a lot of glucose, right? Because these cells are multiplying like crazy. So you cut off its right. glucose supply. You can cut down on the cancer multiplying. Um, arthritis, the same thing with inflammation. There was a lot of other things he had that were sort of, oh, that's a clever way to, you know, because they were alternative cures, right? And it's not right. like modern medicine. We go in with surgery and drugs and, uh, you yeah. know, you, you kind <laughs> of- beat it, into, beat it into submission. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, you cut off its supply of this or you change the 
the balance of something or you flick a switch. And so I can't, the headline just sort of came to me, how to cure any disease by taking advantage of its hidden weakness, mm. which, Lovely. you know, made it, you know, differentiated it from, hey, here's a bunch of cures, right? You know, for you, gave it a little mechanism. It gave it a little uniqueness. It, it gave it a personality. It gave us yeah. you know, a Sun Tzu art of war. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Kind of a, an approach. <laughs> and I remember years ago seeing a video or maybe a TED talk or something instead of it was a doctor talking about cancer research. They said, well, instead of, you know, going in and quote unquote battling cancer, we decided to ask it what it wanted. Mm. And, and in your case, it was wanted sugar <laughs> to, to <laughs> right. grow and thrive. So we're like, okay, we're just going to take that away. <laughs> you know, we, we're not going to feed the dog, you know, we're not going to feed the angry dog. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting question too, is what does it want? Like, mm. how can we make you go away? How can we give you what you want and yeah. make you go away? Yes, right? um, exactly. So, David, tell us. Um, so coming on Olga V, um, you, you work for Boardroom, correct? Right. Was that were you on staff there? Were you independent? Talk about that transition. Yeah, I was independent. Um, you know, when I left Ogilvy, uh, I found out about a writer, uh, not a writer, a kind of a copywriting agent named John Finn out in California. And uh I said, let me take a chance and send him some work and see what he thinks or whatever. Right. And, yeah. and he liked my stuff and he set me up with people like Jim Rutz and a lot of other, you know, people in kind of the direct response world we're, we're a little more familiar with. And um, so that was great to be able to work with, you know, with Jim Rutz. And I, I've worked with so many, you know, great people, Jim Rutz. I've worked with uh, Jim Punkry, worked with John Carlton. Um, you know, and I've learned something from each of them. And I think that's really important for writers. I think a lot of writers today are very one dimensional, right? They know how to do email copy, or they know how to do a certain style of shouty internet copy, or they know how to write for, mm. you know, whatever, keto or something. Um, and they, they don't, ha and I, I mean, I was lucky. I got to work at Ogilvy where I got one range of experience. And then I got to work with Jim Rutz which was a very unique experience. And Jim Punkery was a very different experience. And Dan Rosenthal and, you know, John Carlton, where you kind of got the Gary Halbert, right? You know, <laughs> um, level. I even got to work with Gary Halbert a little bit. Um, and so that, that gives you different possibilities, different arrows in your quiver, as they say, where this situation calls for this, right? Or this, that's why I think people kind of come to me, you know, because when the copy can't be as shouty and hyperbolic as a mm -hmm. lot of copy, mm -hmm. you know, is today, whether that's for a classier product or a more regulated environment or, you know, just for whatever reason. <laughs> It sounds like, so I, I trained martial arts and and whatever the instructors that's been teaching for over 20 years, um, kind of, you know, leveled with the class one day. He says, listen, I can only teach you technique. It's only 60%. The mm -hmm. rest of it, you have to feel it. You have to feel the opponent. You have to feel the opponent's weight distribution in your body and, you know, limbs they're attacking, whatever it is. It's, it's after, I can only show you so much. 
right the rest right. you have to feel is, is and that does it sounds like it's very much similar would that be the case um you know i think that's a really good a really important thing I think that's where I get I get a little frustrated with people sometimes because people are very okay. Should I do this or this? Or how do I know what? And I say, you just have to feel it. You can't intellectually say this is good, this is bad, this is a, the way to open, this is not the way to do it. This this is a good paragraph. This is not a good paragraph. You just have to kind of go outside yourself enough to be able to feel whether it is or not. Because if you hadn't written it, you'd be able to feel it, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah. You know, um, to me, there's there's three aspects to that, right? One aspect is you've got to get inside the customer's head. You've got to get inside the prospect's head, right? And what is their day like? What's it like to have arthritis? Mm. And, you know, every time you go to twist a, a jar lid, your wrist hurts, Right or your shoulder hurts when you when you go like this, or your knees hurt when you walk, right? And you're scared you're gonna wind up in a nursing home, right? Because mm. well, what if I can't get around? I'm gonna be in a wheelchair. What if I, you know, um, or, you know, your memory's slipping, right? When you're when you're 20 years old, and a lot of copywriters are 20 years old, your memory's slipping. It's like, ha ha, my memory's slipping. I've got a lot of mm. stuff on my mind and, you know, I must be getting older, ha ha ha. But when you're, you know, 60, 70 years old and your memory starts slipping, it, you start getting really scared that maybe this is the beginning of dementia. And what if my kids, you know, start getting worried about me and put me in a nursing home or something? Like you've got to get into their head and feel what's it like to go through their day? What's it like to be them? And and then you've got to kind of get out of that and you've got to go back into yourself and you've got to find your caring for them right? That you want to help them. Empathy. Right. The empathy you want to, you know, what can I write about? Not just like sell them this product, right? But what can I write about that's going to help them? What can I tell them is going to be helpful? And how can I get them to buy this product that I truly believe will help them? Right. I mean, it's absurd. They have, I've got, the, they've got $49. I've got this thing that could help them. How could this not be worth at least $49 to them? It's absurd, right? This mm. could change their life, mm. right? This is absurd that that $49 is in their pocket um, mm. when it shouldn't be. So I need to, you know, I, I need to help them in all ways. And then after you've written it, you need to then step back into their shoes and read it as if they're them, right? Now they're looking at it and they're like, yeah, this is boring me to tears. I don't believe this. You know, what is it? I've heard this crap before, right? Like, you know, that's, I think that's 90% of what I do when I'm critiquing copy is I just go into, you know, crotchety old, you know, for health stuff, right? It's crotchety old guy mode. Like, I don't believe this. I've heard this before. Why? Tell me something new, will you? And it, people would just do that with their own copy, then, you know, I'd be out of a job. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, you've, you've got to go up again. But I think people are like, they're a little too much in the mindset. I've got to get this on page. I've got to get this copy written. I've got to get mm. it to the client. I've got to, you know, I've got to do my formula that I've got to explain, I got to do this and then say this, and I can't say this until I say this. And now I'm going to tell the origin story and I'm typing the origin story. And, mm. you know, I got 30 more pages to write. 
and and they they just don't have that you know distance from it you know they're, they're kind of on automatic pilot a little too much mm-hmm. it Has sounds there, like you go ahead bob let's say uh, have you have you seen any fundamental shifts in kind of the way you approach copy um, with the evolution of different media that has, you know, sprung up in the last couple decades? Like, is, is there, is, have you changed the way you do things? Like what's shifted for you? I don't know. I mean, the mediums certainly shift, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the fundamental thing is, you know, to get as close as possible to what you would say to someone in person. I mean, that, that's another thing. I think that if people would just do that, I'd I'd be out of a job, right? It's hmm. just like, don't say anything in copy that you would feel ridiculous saying to someone in person. Hmm. And do say the things that, you know, that that you would say to someone, especially that you would say to someone if gun to your head, life depended on it. You've got five seconds to get them interested, right? Hmm. Would you really say this thing that you wrote here, right? Mm. Would you really say new killer, blah, 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 well, blah, 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 right? Because someone would just laugh at you in the proverbial bar, elevator, wherever you're, you know, imagining this taking place. Let me ask it a different way. So in the ad with with the presence of social media and soundbite culture, um, I mean, obviously you have made major mark in long form kind of written copy um like how how have you how have you remained relevant and still um helping companies in that in that environment where it's like sound bite and short attention span i don't know you know it's funny that i've made my mark in long form because I really feel like I'm more of a short form person and hmm. that it was always like a lot of work to do long form because I, it, you know, it required memory. It required concentration. It required, mm-hmm. you know, so many things. I'm, I'm really, um, and I, I love, um, I've always loved slogans. I've always loved having to sum up things in a pithy way. Right. Okay. What is that yeah. line? What is that positioning? What is that way of of saying, you know, saying something that, you know, in just a sentence? Um, and to me, that's I mean, it's important now, right? Because you have all these, as you say, these soundbite things. But even if you're doing long copy, if you can't sum it up in a sentence, in a par- I mean, so many people write 40 pages of copy and they don't have a sentence that they could tell you, you know, they don't have a pitch, right. They couldn't pitch you the product in a minute, in a minute, five minutes or whatever. And so they're just using techniques and formulas and, you know, the sort of thing that sounds like this sort of thing sounds like, right. Mm. Sounds like these sort of things sound like, and they're, they're kind of getting by on that. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying our show today as much as Bob and I are. What a phenomenal gem of a guest we have today in David. One thing I love about what we've been talking about today with David's process is the the idea around how questions can unlock amazing ideas that can communicate, that can sell, that can influence people. And at Feed Stories, that's exactly what we do when we have a client in front of us 
is we get them out of their heads by unlocking the stories in their minds and in their hearts with questions. So we're such a fan of this process that we never use scripts. We, we always just sit down, have a conversational approach to coaching and directing our customers and clients. And uh, what it brings out is just some amazing stories and amazing connection points, and most of all, resonance with the people they most want to influence. So if that sounds like something if you've made, that might be interesting to you, if maybe you've hesitated to do video in the past, or you're not sure where to begin, book a call with Bob and I, and we'd love to walk you through our process and show you how easy it can be for you to create the kind of influence you're looking for. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Ricknaris and Brandon Boyd. If you have that ability, right? I think you were going to say is Brandon is like, it doesn't matter than the medium because you could do this on Twitter. You could do it on Facebook. If you know that idea, if you yeah. know the main idea. We were talking about the big idea. It's, it's an exercise we go through when we're getting people on camera or doing a kind mm-hmm. of a presentation or webinars is, okay, what is the all encompassing idea behind what you were about to talk about, convince me of, um, and that's what I'm hearing is this, what, what is that resonating idea? What it's funny. You mentioned earlier about if more people acted like, you know, crotchety critical old <laughs> fellas, you know, one of the exercises we do, and, and I've done this a couple of times is when, when I feel like a, someone on camera that I'm kind of coaching, directing and interviewing is, uh, is struggling with getting to that big idea and, and getting to what is it, what is the thing that I have to get to framework the rest of what you're going to talk about. I, you know, I say, you know, imagine I'm a spoiled 16 year old girl, you know, at Starbucks and what do I get? Just tell me what I get. What are you giving right. me? Here's my credit card. It's in my hand. Just tell me what I get, you know, not, you know, and we, we call it, Bob and I call it circling the wagon and, and, and sometimes it's absolutely necessary. It sounds frankly like the process of writing great copy is you're circling and circling and circling until maybe there, right there. That's what the big idea is. So yeah. is that, is that how, is that resonate with you? Is that kind of how it works for you? Does, is it a circling process? Is it, do you ever like get the idea and then everything floats from there? What, what happens? Sometimes, with that? sometimes the yeah. idea comes to you, but sometimes you're right. It's a circling process. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. Um, but, you know, great copywriters have a, have a kind of a, like a, a level of dissatisfaction, right? It's like they're they're as part of them that's not really satisfied with it. And they can tell, yeah, this is good, but it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they they will keep going and know that like it's out there somewhere. Right. That the the how to cure any disease by taking advantage of its hidden weakness. That's out there somewhere. And it would be easy mm-hmm. to give up and say, well, I tomorrow's medicine today. That's, you know, (laughs) that's good enough, right? That's Mm kind of clever and got a little play on words and, you know, whatever, but, you know, there's the, it's like, just, it's out there somewhere, right? That idea is out there somewhere. Mm. Almost that belief, right? It's, it's that belief that, the, I don't, I don't want to call it the perfect idea, but there's, there's, there's the right message for the right time out there and it's, and it's work or it's time, or it's just focus for me to get there. I, I really love that mindset. That's, that's really key. I think. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I think that's a really important 
mindset to have in a lot of things. Like I have that sometimes in, in, in research, right? It's like, I, I know something is out there and I am going to find it. Mm. And sometimes I have to go to this site, which refers me to this site, which refers me to this person who refers me to this, but like, eventually I'll find that thing I was looking for. Cause I know there's something out there that does what I want it to do, says what I want it to say, whatever it is I, I'm looking for. Mm. I mean, I, I really think part of my ability as a copywriter is I'm, I'm just a really good relentless researcher. Mm. One of the one of the things we like to do, uh, David, is uh, ask our guests to go on a little bit of a rant. Um, we we'd love for you to we just get a little peek into your personality. Is is there anything you can rant on something positive? You could rant on something negative. Um, our friend Ellie ranted on the DMV uh, a few <laughs> a few episodes ago. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Um, anything that just jumps to the top of your head right now that that you want to kind of get on your soapbox about. No, oh, wow. I feel like I already soapboxed, you know, <laughs> I already gave my my rants about, you know, people not accessing that inside of them. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I think one thing is that, I mean, I don't like to be bored, right? I'm really, I'm kind of ADD and I, I like newness. And so I, I try to bring that to my writing. And I, I think, you know, maybe because when I get copy to review, I don't want to be bored reading it. But, you know, so many people accept that they don't have to earn, you know, people reading what they've written, you know, that they can just, because they wrote it, it has to be read. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it has to be read by the client and it has to be read by, you know, whoever that has to review it um, and a certain amount of people will read it just because it's out there. But what makes really effective copy is that more people read it and that people are drawn into it. And, and it's a lot of, it's effort to make it interesting. It means you've got to go out and find interesting things and interesting stories, right? It means that you can't just take a research report and say, this is what the research report says. It means you may have to dig a little bit and see, well, how did they do the research? What is the research? Let me go to the original source of it. What did they think was going to happen? Were they surprised by the research? Um, and, and, and just to be colorful in your writing, right? To say things in an interesting way, to use analogies, right? What is this like, hmm. right? How can I analogize this? How can I give an how can I give an example of this? Right. Um, you know, Brandon uses that trick a lot. Mm. To tell yeah. me what this is. Tell me what this is like. It's a really good prompt for somebody who's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. What is this like? What does this make you think of? What's an example? of? I mean, I hate that because I I don't have a really great memory, so it's hard for me to think of examples. I have to go mm. find them and, and work at it a little bit. But you know, whenever I do that and put examples into things, it just brings it to life. Mm. Like, right. Like I could say right now, you should always, um, you know, you should always make, you know, your copy interesting. But if I can give an example of that, right. 
then that would be so now I'm like under the gun a little bit to do that but to start you know with a story or a you know a startling fact or something like that right so many ways to do that um you know and just in your language to be colorful right a lot of times I'll just be alliterative in my language right um you know that's that's probably everyone knows that's just two words you know that begin with the same sound <laughs> Right. How you name things, coming up with a name for things makes it interesting, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's syndrome X or, you know, the South Beach diet or or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Makes it more interesting than just talking. Oh, we've got a new diet that, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, it's called the South Beach diet. It's exciting because everyone wants to look like they belong on South Beach. And, yeah. you know, yeah, brilliant. I love it. Absolutely love it. It, 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 it. I definitely see the parallels with music, with what you're talking about, you know, music that engages as exciting and as playful and, and still has, you know, a format of a beat and timing and keys and all that, but all the play and entertainment and enticement and seduction within the song is what makes the song right. so wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you can do that. You can do that by, um, by analysis, right? Like you look at a piece of music and right, you look at a piece of music that's not very interesting and it's just going predictable. It repeats it again or something like that. You look at an interesting piece of music and it's like bum 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 right? It's all over the place. It's leaping, it's 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 giving the theme again in in a in a different way gives you a little hint of delight and it's the same thing with copy right yeah mm. it's got to have that variety it's got to have that it's got to have leaps it's got to have steps it's got to have you know unexpected things yeah and it, i mean what is boring what's the definition definition of boring it's something you can predict right i, I don't watch sitcoms i predict what they're going to say the next line I, I can't stand them i can't sit there and watch them i like documentaries things like that but sitcoms it's like oh he's going to say this and everybody's going to laugh and Here's the formula. It, you just begin to see it. So uh, again, well, lovely, David. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about you, learn about you? Where, where do we go? Uh, they can go to davidldeutsch.com. It's D-A-V-I-D-L as in Larry, and which is not my middle name, but it is L. <laughs> uh, D-E-U-T-S-C-H.com. And they can get like free stuff on copywriting from A to Z and, you know, Keep in touch Perfect. there. Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, I think any company that uh, certainly availing yourself of a resource of somebody like David, um, you can just hear the creativity and the thought that he puts into it. And if you're an aspiring copywriter, somebody who, you know, um, maybe thinks they have a knack for it, like David did, um, David's probably got some stuff for you there. So yep. um, avail yourself of resources when they're given. And and David, you've just been really generous to spend an hour with us now. Um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. We got to meet you in person a few weeks ago and can't wait uh, for our next conversation. Just thank yeah. you for being with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it too. Can't wait to talk again. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs. 
making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder. 